On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, I'm going to be updating you guys on part two of the Trinity system, which is, of course, the bomb shelter. Before I go on, just a quick disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, obviously, we have done a couple of episodes kind of diving into the mechanics of the bomb shelter, so I'm not going to go over that today. You guys can, of course, go back and listen to those episodes, but what I want to do is give you an update on some of the back testing that I've done the manual back test and as well as results from live trading so far and also just um, sort of solidify what exactly this was designed for and how it fits into the Trinity system because now of course I'm going to be introducing in the next episode the second hedging strategy which is the vibranium shield and yes there I said it I finally told you what the name of the third piece is going to be um, but of course, um, I'll leave that details to the next episode. So for the bomb shelter, remember, this was designed specifically as a hedge for a severe, you know, black swan nuke, nuclear bomb type of event where we have a uh, presumably some kind of massive gap down 20% gap with no chance at all for any kind of trading range in between for your stops to kick in. And remember, the problem was this was kind of a struggle not only to design for it, but to even decide if we want to do it because a 20% gap has just never happened before, right? So, you know, I mentioned before I used modeling software like the risk graph and thinkorswim to, to try and get an idea of what might happen with this structure and the best guess was that, you know, you're going to limit what might be a 15 or 16x loss to something like 7 or 8x. So obviously, you still have to size properly so you don't blow up your count if we have a nuke, right? So number one, you know, you really have to decide if this is even something you care to do, right? So I designed this as an optional add-on. And if you just frankly don't believe that nuke risk is you know a 20 percent gap kind of nuke risk is something to be concerned about then no you can just skip this because remember we back tested the core strategy you know the foundation the theta engine of the trinity system through lots of different kinds of markets you know 2008 2015 2014 2020 2018 and obviously it's not perfect in every year there are some losing years but generally the drawdowns are manageable right so to have something like the bomb shelter which is designed specifically for something that has never happened nor is likely to happen you know may not be worth the effort but having said that we have been running this i want to go over some of the back test results um Unfortunately, so I've, I've manually back tested so far 2007, 2008, and 2015. Um, I want to go back and finish 2014, 2018, and 2020, but the, the database we've been building is just taking forever. But I didn't want to wait, you know, another couple of months or however long it's going to take us to finish. So I want to go over the results just to provide some color and give you guys some context to help you decide if this is something for you. But let's look at the live results first. So you're going to want to go to the trading page 
for the Theta engine, which of course is linked from the Trade Busters page. And on the Theta engine page, there is the trade log. It's labeled 2021 trade log. That's the tab. So you can see some of the right now there's maybe let me see here maybe a 10 trades that we've closed so far with the bomb shelter in place um one of them i want you to ignore for now because it's the the trade that we entered on september 21st and closed on october 14th uh, because that one we had actually this was back when i was still sort of fine-tuning the parameters the bomb shelter so i was this was a, a five delta short so the long ended up being a lot more drag and, and and i'll get to that in a second basically on the left hand side you'll see the trade log for the short options which is you know the core theta engine strategy and then the right hand side you'll see the trade log for the long or the hedges or the bomb shelter itself and what i've done is um for the short options obviously the trade log you guys are familiar with the pnl the, the pnl multiple the commission and everything I've done something very similar for the longs. And as you would expect, so far the longs have been losing as expected because we're, we've just been making money on the shorts, right? So we knew there was going to be a drag. And the first update I want to give you guys is back a few weeks ago when I first introduced and kind of gave the mechanics for the bomb shelter, I mentioned that based on some rough calculations, we expected the longs to reduce or drag your net returns by about 20% of your profits. So what does that mean? High level, if you normally, let's say you sized your strategy to make $100,000 of P&L in a given year, you'd end up with 80,000, right? 20,000 would be lost by the the longs that you'd pay. And this is, this is in an ordinary year, no crash, because on the crash year, you expect to make profits from the longs. So after the live trading, um, right now, it looks like it's closer to about 13%, right? And if you want to be conservative, you want to maybe estimate 15%. Why does that matter? Because remember, in order to get the same level of profits as you would without the hedge, you need to basically leverage up or scale up your, um, your target, right? So for example, if you normally target 10% return, and let's say you expect the return to be reduced by 15%, so 10 times 0.85, rather than a 10% return, you get 8.5%, right? And then so in order to get back to 10%, you have to scale up the whole system by about 17.6%, right? So you have to scale up. So let's say you're using a, the, um, the risk calculator. Instead of putting a 10% return to calculate your credit target, you would aim for a um, 10 times 1.17, you would put 11.7, right? So your your high level return target will be 11.7%, but you'll know that after taking out the losses from the bomb shelter, that brings you back down to your original 10%. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. But let's say how let's see how we actually track this. So in the trade log, you'll see that, of course, number one, I have the loss multiple on these longs. So what you need to recognize is the long, um, the loss multiple on the long is basically how much they've decayed. Because remember, you're closing out the long when you close the short, right? So 
on the the shorts you can see all the loss sorry all the p uh, profit multiples are 0.6 because remember we're setting a 60 percent profit target so on the longs you'll notice that the loss or the decay ranges from 70 percent or does it 69 percent all the way up to 85 87 percent right so that shows you when the shorts decay by 60 percent the longs which are further out of the money by a lot they're decaying by like 70 or 80 percent and that that's ex to be expected so how does that translate to drag on the net pnl of course you can take the raw dollars right for example if you look at one of the longs here the, the net pnl loss is 570 550 575 you just divide that by the profit from the shorts right so that's exactly how i calculate that there's a column called hedge drag right so this is the loss of the longs as a percentage of the net profit of the shorts so that's a pretty obvious straightforward calculation but one way you can kind of convince yourself is for example remember we are spending 10 percent of the shorts as the budget for the longs right so if you take 0.1 and i'll just take a random so let's say the average decay is 80 percent so 0.1 times 0.8 which is 0.08 right that's the loss but Remember, on the flip side, your profit is only 60% of the original credit, right? So if we take 0.08 and divide it by 0.6, we get 13.3, right? So 13.3 net drag. And again, if I average these, it's, it's right around 12.6 right now. But if you want to be conservative, you can just assume it's 15%. Um, as we have more trades finished throughout the year, um, of course, you guys can continue to monitor the log and see what the drag ends up being. I think I need to put a average drag on here. I have a trade metrics table, but I don't have the average hedge drag. So I'll, I'll add that on there. So one thing to note, I told you to ignore that first trade, the one that was entered on September 21st. So just a quick note on that. You'll see the hedge drag is 33.8%. And that's because when I was originally doing the five delta version, when I was designing the bomb shelter, rather than spending 10% of the budget, I was uh, suggesting to spend 25% of the credit as a budget. So, because I didn't think that the hedge drag would be that severe, but you can see, you know, with the 25% budget spent at 80% decay, right? So we can do that, that number again. So 0.25, which is the 25%, which is that, that budget when I first started out, you know, times 0.8. So your loss is 0.2. And then 0.2 divided by the 0.6, which is the profit target, you get 33.3. And this thing's right at 33.3. So, yeah, you know, spending a quarter percent, sorry, spending 25% of the credit, it's just way too much drag because your net drag is a third, right? So you don't want to be losing a third of your profits for running this thing. All right. So these are the real life examples of how much drag you expect. And the cool thing also, something that, you know, we couldn't really gauge until we ran this thing live is, so you're losing about 13%, 15% of your profit, right? And it, you also have to leverage up the whole system by, you know, 15, 16% to get that, the original net profit that you're looking for. But the interesting thing I've noticed is on the day-to-day, -day, right? And you can look at the PNL um, of your shorts versus the loss on the longs or vice versa on a down day, right? Your shorts are losing, but your longs are gaining. It seems to be dampening the volatility of the whole thing by about 10%, 15%. So 
and I know that the depends on how long you're in the trade because the longer the you're in the trade and the longs decay, they're gonna get weaker and weaker. But it's kind of neat to think about if you leverage up the whole thing by 10-15%, but this the longs are dampening the volatility by 10-15%, then you might be able to get that original level of return even though you're scaled up without increasing your overall volatility, right? It might be kind of volatility neutral. Now obviously we haven't had enough trades and generally this last two weeks we've been able to get out of these. Um, I'm looking at the average DIT on some of these 11 days, 10 days, 14 days when really the average should be something closer to, let me see here. It should be closer to, hang on, 26.4, right? So we did have one that closed around 29 days. But anyways, we, we were out of these pretty quickly but what I've noticed, again, in the last um, month or so we've run this is that it does sort of dampen your volatility a little bit, which which is a good thing. Now, going to the back test. So we're going to move over to the bomb shelter page. And we're going to look at the longitudinal study. So just for context, so you guys can look at the same numbers as I am when you're listening to this. Right now, I have set the starting net liquidity to $1 million, the target returned at 10%, the assumed PCR should be fixed at 27%, and the commission is 1.2%. So remember, this shows you an approximate return of the back test on these you know, 16 years, 2005 to 2020. And what I've done is we manually back tested every time you hit a stop on the short, what the profit would have been as um, on the long and you can go to the longitudinal trade log and verify yourself so i will again right now uh so today is october 22nd 2021 i've only done 2007 2008 and 2015 so whenever the shorts got stopped i manually looked at what the long would have been as a profit and when the shorts won which is most of the time I took a few samples of the loss on the longs because I knew that the results were going to be pretty similar. Like, in fact, in, back in 2007, 2008, most of the time, the longs pretty much decayed completely and you just lost the whole thing. They were worth like nickels or, or worthless. So the loss was pretty much 100%, most of the time 90%. Um, and I don't know why exactly that may be just... Back in the day, SPX was lower, so the strikes on the longs were lower, so they just ended up really no, not holding any value, which is fine. And again, if you want to be conservative, just assume you're going to lose the whole thing. But remember from the recent testing, not testing, but the recent trading, we're losing about 70 to 80%, 85% when the short hits the profit target. So let's look at these individual years. So there is on the longitudinal study page, there is essentially another column now called B shelter or short for bomb shelter. And you can see the updated um, return and max drawdown. And of course, right now, there's only for these three years. So let's look at a good year first, 2008. Um, you can see that without the bomb shelter, the return was negative 10%, 10.3. And with the bomb shelter, it did lower the drawdown slightly. It's negative 9.7. And... So it actually added about 0.6% to your return, right? And the premium capture rate improved 
right without it was negative 15.8 and now it's negative 14.6 so you did get a net return um, if you scroll down a little bit actually you'll see three sets of graphs um, for 2007 2008 and 2015 one graph is the return of so this is, gives you a visual idea of the the 90 or the theta engine versus having the bomb shelter and then there's a graph of just the raw PL of the hedge of the bomb shelter portion itself. So remember, look at 2008 first. You can see essentially um, as the crash happens, the drawdown for the red line is a little shallower. So at the end of the year, the return for the, the bomb shelter strategy is overall the combo, of course, is a little bit better. And obviously on the PL graph, you see that this line trending downwards until the summer because of course the hedge is losing when the market's you know not going any crash and of course the, the profit just basically explodes right so that's that's kind of a given now before you say hey why is this only adding you know less than a percent to my profit remember this thing was designed only to really react in a severe crazy 20 percent gap right which has never happened so really on anything other than that i was not even really considering this to be a profit maker right i was only testing this just to see hey if if i have it anyways incidentally would it have done anything on these last 16 years right so in 2008 yes it added so it was worth doing because at least it didn't make you lose money right now if you look at 2015 um, again, if we scroll down to the graph, this is a little more evident because 2015 had a really, really violent sell-off right around August. And then there was like a massive gap on one of these days. I think it was like August 24th. I forget exactly which day. So you can see that um, the the two lines are pretty much neck and neck and right around until August in which the blue line, which is no bomb shelter, just crashes. And then the red line, which crashed much less right so the year ended up um pretty good um at least above the the line with no bomb shelter and of course the the pnl graph obviously you see just the hedge is losing money and then it just takes off right huge profit and so looking at the actual return without the bomb shelter that year would have been negative 4.9 and then with the bomb shelter is negative ne uh, 0.2 so it added 4.7 percent of return Right, so that's pretty good. It cut the drawdown by 4%, right? And remember, this is sizing the strategy to return 10% normally. So we're obviously just focusing on the not-so-good years. So just a quick note, on all the other years, you know, your the the core strategy, the theta engine, is making much more than your 10% your target. I mean, that's how it works, right? The long-term CAGR is, you know, 10.2%, which is right on target. But that's because you have these years where it's negative and then you have years that are positive. In fact, some of the years are way above what you're targeting. But I haven't backtested the good years and not that I necessarily need to. Because remember, on the good years, you just assume that the bomb shelter is going to lose that 10, 15 percent of your profit. So, for example, if you take a year like 2005, you know, it's 18.1 percent return without the bomb shelter. So if we take out 15% of that, 18.1 gets reduced to 15.38, right? So 2006, it's 15.1. Take out the 15%. That means your return gets reduced to 12.8. So that's a fixed 
drag that you just expect you just have to budget for that that's just the, the purpose right so if you decide you want to use the bomb shelter that's the cost that you're going to carry right so all that makes sense right so on the good years it's a fixed cost on 2015 and 2008 it did actually help your bottom line a bit so that's all good so the worst case right now when you look at 2007 i kind of saved the worst for last in 2007 without the bomb shelter your return was negative 6.9 with the bomb shelter it was negative 8.2 right so it actually increased your loss by 1.3 percent now that's not horrible but for a hedge Remember, the worst thing you want to do is spend money and then not make anything and actually cause more loss. But that's just going to happen sometimes. That That's the thing about hedging. It's not perfect, right? And if it was, then everyone would do it and there'll be no risk, right? There's always some kind of risk involved. So, you know, and again, that year without the bomb shelter, you had negative 9.2 premium capture. With the bomb shelter, it was negative 9.6. So it actually, again, it, you, you lost premium because of the bomb shelter so if we go look at the graph you can see that the red line is pretty much under the blue line most of the year you know during it looks like there was two or three major legs down in the market that year if you look at the pnl graph you can see it actually the pnl spikes above zero briefly but then of course you lose all of it until about july august there's a big profit bump but it wasn't you know enough to pull you positive for the year and it kind of just went down so 2007 overall the bomb shelter lost money which again you expected to it's just that this was one of those years where the hedge lost money but the core income strategy also lost money all right and this is something that uh, my friends and i have basically been calling the dead zone right so under normal circumstances if you're income strategy or the theta engine makes money you want the hedge you expect it to lose money right so overall you're still positive on a severe crash your income strategy loses money and the hedge makes money now it may not be enough to make your entire income you know pnl positive but it did lessen the loss it lessened the drawdown so again that's a positive result but in a year like 2007, and I suspect 2018 as well, where the income strategy loses money, the hedge loses money, and it's just because something about, because remember, the, the exact outcome is going to be path dependent. In this case, the market went down in a way that stopped you out of the income strategy that caused you to lose money, but it wasn't enough. VIX you know, didn't spike enough to basically make the hedge do much of anything right so that's what we call the dead zone income strategy down hedge is also down and in fact this is specifically the kind of situation i was trying to solve with the vibranium shield right that's the because uh, the bomb shelter was designed only for the gaps and so again we don't expect that to ever happen. <laughs> so what do we do for when there isn't a 20% gap, but we do have a, a regular, well, not regular, but when we have a sell-off, that's 20% or 30%, but that not necessarily a true gap. And that 
kind of market is specifically what I was trying to solve. That's the hole I was trying to fill with the vibranium shield. And I came as close as I thought I could because, again, hedging is not perfect. But I got something I felt comfortable with and something that's worth looking into. And that is going to be the next episode. That's the final piece, the third piece to the Trinity system. Okay. Um, so I'm going to wrap up the testing of 2018. And again, I suspect it's kind of one of those other dead zone years. And just before I let you guys go, just a quick um, look at why this happened in 2007. So remember, you can go to the longitudinal trade log and you can look at the manual back test the result. So what happened was, I'm going to scroll through real quick. Number one, there was E-Delta Pro wasn't um, the data back then. There was not a lot of expirations to choose from. So E-Delta Pro, when I set it to do 90 DTE, sometimes it picked weird ones. Um, it would pick way over or way under. And you can see on the trades, there's some 50 DTE, 60 DTE. And remember, if the short is at 60 DTE, then the long would have been even less than that, right? It would have been like 30 or something. So number one, some of these trades, the longs were just entered with not not much life left. And if you look at the days in trade on some of these stops, so I'll pick an example. Um, there's a trade enter at January 31st, 2007. So it was 80 DTE and the long was at basically, let me see here. I think it was something like 40 or 50. So it was 45. And this trade took 27 days to get stopped. So by the time it got stopped, the long was only 18 days left, right? It's pretty much almost expired. So you would expect it really to not do anything. And now granted that one did return a little bit of a profit, but there's a lot of situations where the shorts got stopped and the long either lost money or basically was not profitable. Um, and I'll give an example in around the September time frame, August time frame. This was the, the later fall kind of leg down in 2007. There was a lot of these trades where the DIT was really high, right? So basically these were trades that were getting stopped and pretty much in the end of the life cycle of the trade, you know, 58 days, 68 days, 65 days. So this is imagine being in a short for two months and then getting stopped, right? This is kind of the, the worst case scenario where we haven't really seen that this year or even last year. Um, but I mean, you would probably feel pretty bad about that, right? Cause just being in that trade that long and then finally getting stopped. And the worst thing is at those kind of high DITs, the hedge is pretty much all decayed, right? There are even some circumstances where the time and trade for the short was longer than the DT of the long, meaning it was already gone. Like you had no hedge left. So, this is the kind of situation where we haven't run into this live yet, but you know, you could use some discretion. Like if you are in a position where you want to have the bomb shelter, but you're in the trade so long that the bomb shelter is just decayed. It's almost worthless or it's you know expired already. You know, you could take the discretion just to close the short, regardless of what the situation is. Right. So that's the kind of situation where it gets a little bit off sort of the mechanical path of trading this. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about risk management. But I just want to show you that this is the kind of year, the kind of situation where it's 
it's the worst case scenario for a hedging strategy, right? The short is in these trades for a super long time. The, the long is really weak or really decayed. And so when that leg down in the market finally comes, the hedge pretty much doesn't do anything. So that is the kind of scenario which we, we um, can lead to what we call again, the so-called dead zone, where you're losing on the income, losing on the hedge. But overall, Again, going back to the longitudinal study, I suspect 2018 will be similar because remember we had that slow grind down in, in Q4, which really didn't activate much of much hedges. So 2007 and 2018 were ultimately the, the most challenging years in the 16-year study. But if you think about it, so there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve years out of 16 that the income strategy were positive. Right. And so those are the years where you really didn't need the hedge to do anything anyways. And then of the kind of the five crash years, um, two of the ones we tested so far, the hedge did something. Right. And then 2007, it didn't help. 2018, I suspect it won't. 2014, we have to see. 2014 was a flash crash, like the one day intraday flash crash. So that's sort of a unique scenario. And I'll be interested to see how the result pans out. But again, overall, I think the results are, they hold up, you know, but the point is I want to kind of put this data out here and let you guys decide for yourself. So you're very clear on what this thing was designed specifically for, what you can expect it to do and what you expect it to not do and kind of the pros and cons. So you can decide for yourself if it's something you want to add. So anyways, let's leave it there for now. And uh, we can look forward to the next episode, finally introducing and getting into the nitty gritty for the vibranium shield. So, all right. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's available on most of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find more of my content at my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com, where you can find all of my strategy mechanics and trade logs, as well as essays I have written and other podcasts I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.